Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Canaan STL Podcast, brought to you by Canaan Baptist Church, where we exist to connect you to what matters most, to God, to people, and to purpose. Hey, this is Pastor Daniel, and again today, I'm joined by Pastor Martin Winslow. How are you doing today, Martin? Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, we start a new day today for, I don't know, how many weeks? Nine, ten weeks? We were on eschatology. Yeah, probably too many. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, it's still applicable. The end has not happened yet, yeah, right? Because right. we're still here. Jesus hasn't right. come yet. But um, anyway, we're still, we're, we're moving on today. Today begins yep. kind of a new, probably shorter series. And we're going to be talking about ecclesiology. So what is ecclesiology? What is that? Ecclesiology just means anytime you hear ology on the on the back side of a word, soteriology, theology, whatever, it just means biology, the study. geology. Biology. Yeah. yeah, it's the study of right whatever comes first and right. whatever comes first. And in yes, this so. case, yeah. ecclesiology would be the study of the church. Yes, the study of the church. What is the church? Who is she? What's her purpose? You know, and all of those are great things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get into a lot of different issues like what is church membership? Um, what is church mm-hmm. discipline? Uh, but we're going to focus on, at least at the beginning of this series, we're going to focus on the structure and what's called polity. Mm-hmm. So another big word there, what is polity? Yeah, polity has to do with the setup then of the church. So if we're talking about ecclesiology and then we say, well, the aspect of polity within the church, it's going to be the structure. Um, how is it How is it set up? Who are the leaders? Yes, how what are decisions it, made? Yeah. How are decisions made? How, how does that relate to the lay people? And then what do the lay people do in those kind of things? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's good. So we're going to kind of just jump right in with um, looking at the issue of polity. You know, you look across the, the church landscape, especially, well, even including Catholic, Catholic and Protestant, you see a lot of different types of polity. Mm-hmm. And really, every one of these, for the most part, has some, at least, biblical support, mm-hmm. biblical merit. So let's just look at some of the, th- the three big ones, yep. right? The first one is what's called the Episcopal polity. So mm-hmm. why don't you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so the Episcopal polity comes from the, the Greek word episkopos. Yes, and so when we look at their polity, it, it has a very top-down approach, whereas in Baptist life we might say we're more congregational. In the Episcopal type of scheme, you have leadership from the top that make most of your decisions. Move uh, pastors into certain parishes and certain areas of ministry where it's not necessarily like a vote like you might see in Baptist yeah, life, where somebody right. comes and they you know, they preach, they come in view of a call. It's not done like that, yeah, bottom that's right. up, but it's the opposite. It's yeah, and so you know, in, in Scripture, we see the word episkopos used mm-hmm. quite a bit. First Timothy chapter 3, where yep. Paul says, if anyone uh, aspires to the office of episkopos, which, mm-hmm. you know, most, I say most English translations today would translate that overseer, yeah, right. but some of the older translations translated as bishop. Right. So that's where the, our concept of bishop comes from. Mm-hmm. And so the episcopus, the episcopal, yeah, the episcopal um, polity is really derived at that concept of bishop. There's one person who kind of oversees the church. Right. And so here we would see the Catholic church. That would mm-hmm. be definitely be an episcopal polity, um, you know, all the way up to the Pope, right? right. You mentioned top down. I mean, how much more top down does it get yeah, than right. the papacy, right? right. Um, so the bishop in the Catholic church actually 
is the church in yeah. the in their thought and process. The bishop owns the property. Uh, the bishop appoints priests and pastors and yep. sends them wherever he sees fit. Right. And so there's regardless a, of what the congregation thinks. Yeah, the congregation yeah. has no say so in that. Yeah, no I mean, at least under most Catholic systems. Yeah. Uh, I think this is all true for the Episcopal Church mm-hmm. too, as well as the Anglican Church. Yep. All of those of the Episcopal polity. And so that word is derived from like like you said, the episcopos. And so here here's what's interesting. Maybe we need mm-hmm. to kind of bring this into let's just let's look at a couple of passages where mm-hmm. These different roles, because the next one we're going to look at is the Presbyterian model, mm-hmm. which comes from the Greek word presbyteros, right. which translates as elder. All right. So, but let's read a few passages here that kind of contain the word episkopos and kind of ta- contain the word presbyteros, and finally will contain the the word poimen in mm-hmm. Greek, which we translate pastor or shepherd. Right. So, a lot of these verses have all of those words used interchangeably. Right. So one's in first Peter yep. chapter five. So uh, Morton, you got that? You're just going to read first Peter chapter five and see how Peter uses these terms. And sure. I'll, I'll when you get to those terms, I'll interrupt you and we'll talk about them. Okay. So first Peter chapter five, verse one says, I exhort the elders among you. All right. There's the elders. That's the word presbyteros. Right. Okay. Right. And like you said, the word Presbyterians derived from That's that, right. which we'll yep. unpack later. So, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you. Okay, right there. The word shepherd is the verb form of the Greek word poimen, which is translated pastor or shepherd. So, here, what Peter is saying, he's talking to the elders. Yeah but commands him to shepherd, to pastor. All right? Yeah, keep going. Um, Verse 2 again, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly. There you go. Overseeing is the verb form of the word episkopos. So there we see all bundled together is this concept that elders, presbyteros, are to shepherd, pastor, and to Mm -hmm. oversee episkopos. So all three of these terms here, Peter uses all together talking to the same group right. of leaders, yep. right? Yep. Now that we're going to go to Acts chapter 20, we're going mm-hmm. to see Paul essentially do the same thing. So Acts chapter 20, Paul is um, addressing the church at Ephesus. Uh, and it says, verse 17, it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Mm. So there you go, The again. The Greek word is um, presbyteros, which, again, translates as, as elders. And then we go on down, and uh, you get to verse um, 28, and he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There we go, overseers, episkopos. To care for, and that word to care for is to shepherd. It's the same as to the Greek word poimen, to care for, to pastor the church of God, which he obtained with his blood. So interestingly there, so yeah. there's two passages, two different apostles, and mm-hmm. I don't know, probably most people would say there's kind of the top two, yeah. Peter and Paul, right? And they are both using all three of these terms Almost as though they're synonymous, yeah, the same sure. guys, the mm-hmm. same group of leaders, and so, so out of this, you know, the church throughout the centuries has had to unpack. Well, how do we structure based yeah. on this concept of elders, pastors, bishops, or overseers? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Well, the Episcopal model says, well, the bishop is one guy yeah. over a certain area of churches, and he's he calls the shots. 
Now, the Presbyterian model is a little different. So in the Presbyterian model, you know, you see the word elder. So Titus chapter 1 is very interesting because here Paul um, is addressing Titus, and he kind of goes through the same teaching he did to Timothy, except here he doesn't use the word episkopos. You know, in Timothy, just a, he said, anyone who aspires to the office of overseer or episkopos. Right. But here he's, he tells Titus, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, you might put what remained in order and appoint elders is the word presbyteros in every town as I directed you. And then he goes in and he lists these qualifications for the elder, which are nearly identical to the same qualifications. Paul, the same author Paul used in first Timothy three for bishops or overseers. So another strong argument, these are really a synonymous, but the Presbyterian model of government uh, as in the Presbyterian church is set up a little differently than you know, the the bishop, where the bishop is one guy over a whole area, a pres- the presbytery is a group of, mm-hmm. of men, of elders, who oversee um, several Presbyterian churches. Yeah. So in the Presbyterian model, again, how much say-so does the congregation have? Yeah, they don't have any. Very, yeah, little Very to none. Very little. They yeah. might be able to, like, nominate men for elders, yeah. But that's their only voice, or you know? maybe appeal something through yeah, a local sure. elder that might be. In, right. But but in general, yes. the Presbyterian model is very top down as well. It is. Yeah. It is. It's just where there's a group of men, right. not just one Rather guy. Than one. There's not a right. CEO. It's more like a board of shepherds, right. board of directors, right. so to speak. Yep. And then the the third, probably most mm-hmm. common polity, is one that's been historically Baptist, mm-hmm. and that is the congregational model, right. which really looks at this word pastor, shepherd, shepherds, the flock. Right, mm-hmm. um, but you look at Acts chapter six, and you see a little bit of in, in, of um, indication that the the church does have a voice. Yeah, the congregation mm-hmm. has a voice, and so what happens in Acts chapter six? Yeah, in Acts chapter six, um, there's a lot going on in the early church. There's a need for people to to be served. There are these widows within the church that that need help, and the disciples are just really kind of overwhelmed. The leadership, and so what happens is is the apostles come together and they pray and they lay their hands on certain men and they bring them before the church. And the church then makes the decision really, and a lot of people argue about this, but it's at least the prototype for uh, deacons being appointed in the church. So the body has something to really say yeah, about that's right. that. That's right. And you, so you see that Acts chapter six, it said, mm-hmm. you know, and so the, the church chose the seven, right? right? And it, it pleased the church, right? Yeah. You also see Acts 15, where there's this mm-hmm. big um, kind of argument going on, a big debate yeah. in the church on how to, how does, how do Jewish Christians coexist in the same yeah. church with Gentile Christians right. because their culture is so different. Right. And um, anyway, James, the half-brother of Jesus, makes a recommendation, and and it simply says that in the, the, the saying, please the whole church. So yeah. there was some there was some mechanism in place Absolutely. for the congregation yeah. to affirm yeah. that decision. And so yeah. we see some aspects of congregationalism. Mm-hmm. So yeah. putting all three of those together, let's look at what are the... Yeah. What are the negatives mm-hmm. of the Episcopal model? What's what's some flags, red flags, yeah. yellow flags, look out for with the, the bishop-type polity? Well, I think just in general, if you're looking at it from a 30,000-foot you know, 30, 
30,000 foot view, you're, you're looking down on it and you're going to say that's too much power for one person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what can happen is cover ups, not being open about certain things. You get the wrong, it's kind of like having a monarch. Yeah. Right, you get yeah. a good monarch, everything's are fine. Yeah, that's right. You get a bad one, things. Yeah, things that, go really that's bad. right. And that's definitely a downfall. I mean, we're all sinners, you know. That's and right. so, if you look, just look at the history of the Roman Catholic Church, which that's mm-hmm. their polity. Yeah, you know, with the, the Pope down. You know, there's been a there's been several popes throughout history who were just extremely corrupt, especially yeah. in those Middle Ages. You know, yeah. they were just power hungry, and uh, it became extremely political. I mean, yeah. we think Republicans and Democrats are at each other's throats today. Yeah, Should right. read some history about some of those popes being, oh, uh, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, I mean, it's intense. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're putting all of your eggs in one basket, yeah. so to speak. And if that man's not a man of character, yeah. um, it's big trouble. And even if that man is a man of character, he's still a sinner. He's still yeah. flawed. And so temptation will come. And like you quoted earlier, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's just It's just a ticking time bomb it is. for one it man is. to do that. So that would definitely be uh, one of the strongest uh, marks against an yeah. Episcopal model of polity, right? Um, and you know, too, I, I think this just kind of like on a, as a side note to that same idea is, and we would all affirm this, even a person in that polity would affirm it, but Christ is the head of the church. That's right. Absolutely. Right? And so if if you don't remember that you're an under-shepherd, what, what can tend to happen in that model is the elevation of a person, a personality, whatever, yeah. and it becomes corrupted. Of course, in the Catholic Church, they even go so far as to say that the Pope is the vicar of Christ. Exactly. You know, he is, right. he is Christ's mouthpiece to the yeah. church, and so... It How dangerous re- is that? It really gets dicey. Yeah. You know, that's very dicey. Yeah. So that's definitely in. Well, what do you think would be, though, just to be fair, what do you mm-hmm. think is a pro for the Episcopal model? Well, I think can be a pro because at the same time, um, you know, if if the monarch or the person in control in that situation is overseeing justly and rightly, uh, regardless of the direction the congregation goes, or let's say the culture begins to move the congregation, you know, you can't make an ad populum argument that well, there's a thousand people over here and they believe this way, it must be the right way. Mm-hmm. So, taking control away from the congregation, if you had a monarch who stuck with right yeah. what God says, that could be a pro in, yeah. in swimming against the tide because yeah. sometimes. The majority are wrong. Yeah, right. That's right. And so that could be, I guess, a plus in that situation. Yep, absolutely. Although an unpopular plus. It it is an unpopular plus. But you know, also, I would see not only the ability to make a right decision regardless of what the majority says or thinks, Mm -hmm. also the ability to act quickly to make that decision and implement. Yeah. So there are some, a few. Plus, it's just to be fair, yeah, but right. definitely the in my mind that negative far outweighs yeah. any positive. I, I don't think, um, of course, I'm not Episcopal or Catholic yeah. or Anglican, but I, I just don't think that polity is healthy, yeah, uh, or it's safe in the hands mm-hmm. of fallen mankind. Uh, let's, what about the Presbyterian model? What uh, what negatives yeah, do you see I, with the Presbyterian model of polity? Yeah, I would say I would say the same thing. I, I think the, the the fall of of those two models, like like you had actually mentioned, whenever we look at Baptist polity, and I th- I think I think it's correct. Is the congregation has to have some power. 
Um, we see that with church discipline. If you look at Matthew 18, right, there's a process for church yep, discipline. Absolutely. Things end up before the church. First Corinthians chapter five, it's a church decision when somebody makes, you know, a sinful decision that mm. is not dealt with. It has to come before the church. So are the, there are these certain situations, and in the Presbyterian kind of mindset, the presbytery, um, they can mainly control those decisions yeah. without yeah, would, having to listen. Yeah, I, I, you know? I don't know a hundred percent, but. I'm 90% sure that in the Presbyterian church, if there are church discipline issues, mm-hmm. the the person being disciplined comes before the elders, okay. not the yeah. congregation. Not the body. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, and so in that sense, it really mm-hmm. equates the elders as the church, which right. I, I don't agree with that. Yeah. You know, of right. course, I'm not Presbyterian, but right. that's... Um, I mean, we agree with a lot of our mm-hmm. Presbyterian brothers and sisters, sure. but that would be kind of one air. This polity issue would be yeah. one issue I would just defer a little bit. Right. Yeah. And wouldn't you think, like, I, I think, too, one of the crux of those two polities, right, is one takes the word from Titus chapter uh, 1 on elders, and that's the presbyteros word. Yeah. The other, the Episcopal form, gets it from 1 Timothy chapter 3, where it says overseer, yep. which is the other word, episkopos. Mm-hmm. And we would look at those as the same thing. Absolutely. It's one and the, the same. The exact same thing. Yeah. And so they create these offices and these structures based on what we would feel like, I think, is a misunderstanding of the text, which is that's one office. Yeah. It's and one office. One it's office. the one in the same. It's the same. That's right. Yeah. And we would also equate that with the role of pastor. Absolutely. Yeah. Because again, back to First Peter five, yep. Acts chapter twenty, all three terms are used Interchange, to refer to yep. the same person or persons, right? Yep. Which that's leads right. us to the last polity option, mm-hmm. which is what we as Baptists hold to, and that's congregationalism, mm-hmm. where the ultimate um, say so. Of course, Christ is still the Christ is the head right. of the church. He's the head in all three yep. polities. In the congregational model, Christ is the head, mm-hmm. but the ultimate say-so and determining factor of where Christ is leading us yeah. is the church. That's right. Yep. That's right. Um, so, um, you know, so again, we talk about Acts 6, Acts mm-hmm. 15 is biblical precedence for, for those, you know, church folk. But so here, here we get into where there's some freedom. Yeah, right. Congregationalism. What should the entire church vote on? What should be their say-so, Right. Yeah, and I think I think everybody has a little bit different. Yeah, every uh, church even, is different. even within Baptist life, right? Yeah, there's there's different views of what that polity looks like. I think though, you know, I've heard you say this before, and I'm in total agreement. If you're just looking at the structure and generalities, right? So so you create a big tent. Underneath that tent, there's a little bit of understanding that might be different about how this would work out. But yeah. in general, congregational ruled, yes. elder led, yeah. deacon served. That's yeah. kind of how we look at things in yeah. our structure. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the final say so on big matters, and we can talk about that, get in the weeds about what how what we feel like are those kind of issues uh, here at our church in particular. Yeah. Uh, but in generalities, as it relates to the big things, the church needs to have a say in those things. Yeah. That's just kind of absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's and, to prevent you know abuse by the leadership, those kind of things, and for us to just be humble enough to be called to the carpet on things, and yep. and, and be able to give a good answer, a logical, yep. a biblical answer for yep. why we're heading in a direction. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the negatives about Presbyterian, which is not nearly as strong of a negative as it for the Episcopal, but is those elders. There really is, although they can have some accountability internally mm-hmm. among themselves. There's really no agency that holds that group yeah, accountable. Right. 
right? right. And, um, you know, we kind of have seen that, that mm-hmm. in the, the, of course, the Presbyterian Church in the last 15, 20 years has suffered a, a terrible split over primarily issues with liberalism, yeah. LGBTQ plus agenda, right. et cetera. And so you have, now you have the Presbyterian USA, yep. which is definitely your liberal um, group. And then you have your Presbyterian Church of America or PCA, which is your mm-hmm. conservative group. And well, churches, those churches split, right? Yeah. And it was really those, those elders at the presbytery level that made those decisions, which mm-hmm. direction they're going. And so, um, you know, I, I again, I'm, I'm, we're not Presbyterian, um, not on the inside of those discussions, debates, et cetera. But I wonder what it looked like in a given church. I'm sure there was a case where the Presbytery said, we're going to go Presbyterian USA liberal. But a, one of those congregations might have said, well, we don't want to do that. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, you know that happened. Yeah. yeah. And, but because they weren't in charge, mm-hmm. they had to follow the Presbyterian the, or the Presbytery's direction yeah. and were forced to go against conscience or hopefully they left yeah, that they church up and, left. <laughs> and went to a, a PCA church. Right? Right, right. So, but that's a, that's a real dilemma negative. Yeah. I see in that there's just a lack of accountability for the group. Right. You know, right. again, there's going to be more accountability yeah. within the group. There is an the individual. So yeah. it's better. Um, but then we come to congregationalism, you know, and so what's the, well, there is an underlying assumption in congregationalism that I think we have to just vocalize to be fair, and that is that the assumption is in congregationalism that every member of the church is truly born again, is filled with the Spirit of God, and is therefore making decisions and casting vote based on what the Holy Spirit is desiring and leading right. that church right. to do. There's a lot of assumptions in that. Yeah, well, Let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's important for us to recognize, right? I mean, and Jesus warns of the, warns us of this, even in Matthew chapter twenty four, three different times. You know, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, and wheat that's right. and tares grow up together yeah. sometimes, and so we cannot. And we've seen this before, Daniel. We talked about it. You can't underestimate. Um, this idea that the devil could be planting seeds of corruption among you to bring disunity within yes, the body. That's right. Right. And so we we've we've got to remember that that we're in a spiritual battle and there could be those plants by the enemy to actually destroy unity and moving forward on certain yeah. things that might be God's will. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, so the argument that, well, everybody gets a vote is better may not necessarily be that's true. That's right. That's right. You know, and so that's that's one deal is that Satan can plant Wolves and sheep closing. Another issue is you might just have people who just aren't saved yeah, in the sure. membership. I don't know where. I've always wondered this. And I, I've tried to find it. And I can't. But yeah. I remember always hearing that Billy Graham's ministry always said that at least sixty percent of the membership of any given evangelical church is not really saved. Wow. I don't know where he got that. Yeah, that's scary to me. Yeah, right. Well, that would mean though that you would have sixty percent of any given congregational church yeah. that's not voting with the Holy Spirit is right. voting out of their flesh or right? sure. their own personal desires and, and um, preferences. Yeah. And that's really dangerous. Yeah. That is the danger of congregationalism. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and you look biblically, I mean, in scripture, um, when, how often is the majority right? Yeah. I mean, that's scary. <laughs> exactly. Well, and in, in, in the congregational structure, right? Uh, a lot of times you can see this, and we've seen this before, just in different meetings and things like this in Baptist life through the years. Fortunately, we've got an incredible church family, and I, and I've not witnessed this, but every once in a while, you know, you've you've got a couple people who are super duper loud that can also sway, yeah, 
right? A yep. group to move in a certain direction, even though they may have been with like, you know, this leadership moving in a certain direction and the pastors, um, you might have these people feeling like because we're congregational, that that makes everybody's vote exactly equal across the board. And those loud people get listened to. Yeah, you know? that's right. You look at the Old Testament, you know, and um, as Moses and Aaron were leading the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, yeah. right? I mean, if it was if majority won, wow. they'd have gone back to Egypt at least three times. Absolutely. You know, yep. I mean, that's dangerous. Yeah. So we gotta we gotta just be fair and say one of the major yep. negatives of congregationalism is it does assume every member is truly born again right. and is not voting in the flesh or not voting their personal preferences, but right. is voting in accordance to the Spirit of God. Because yeah. the Spirit of God is not going to tell yeah. you me, you one thing and me something different. Right. And so if we're having a divisive vote, yeah. then somebody's not being led by the right. Spirit of God. Right. You know, so that right. there it gets a little treacherous. Yeah, right. Sure. So just to conclude today, and then we'll yeah. kind of tell you where we're going to go with this, but you know, the view of that, we believe, and I say we, it's Martin and I and other leaders here at Canaan, that a hybrid is the most biblical model. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. mentioned it, congregational ruled, which means the big issues yeah. are to be voted on by the church yeah. family, but to be elder-led. Again, elder is bishop, is overseer. It's elder, it's yep. pastor, kind of one, yep. it's all the same office, and it's always plural yep. when talking about the group that leads a church. So a plurality of these, and we'll unpack these in future weeks, but a plurality of these elders, pastors, overseers to lead the church, but the church is congregation-ruled, elder-led, and then deacon-served. Yeah. So why are we talking about this right now? You know, um, wait, you know, that's the, that's the big question is mm-hmm. why the timing on this polity discussion. Well, you know, we're, there's a lot of great things happening in Canaan uh, where we have been uh, uh, part of our vision is to become multi, you know, start new campuses, become multi-site. And in the meantime, we've also had two churches come to us wanting us to adopt them and right. make them into right. Canaan campuses. Yeah. And um, so we're in conversation with those right now. So we have to, by necessity, yeah amend their structure a little bit. We have to flex our structure some. And so we've just been having the conversation as leaders, both paid staff and also um, several leaders in our church family who aren't paid staff, um, deacons and committee chairs and that sort of thing. So we're we're in the process of now Mm -hmm. unpacking to the church family what we believe that flex should look like. And it's a combination. But we're looking to be congregational ruled Mm -hmm. where we have very well-defined items that the whole church family votes on. Sure. And it's the big ones, Mm -hmm. right? But then we also are going to have elders, not just our paid team, but also a lot of what we would call lay elders, which means non-paid staff um, to to help lead the church as we go multi-site, but then be deconserved. And so uh, next week, we'll begin to unpack all of that, the whys, the practicals, and also the biblical, some more of the biblical support for it. But this is a timely conversation. We've been having it for a little bit. We just did a series on 1 Timothy, you know, be the church, and that was all part of this process that we're we're really taking our time. We want to be very deliberate. We want to communicate well so that everyone knows what we're doing, why we're doing it, and yep. where it ends up. And so that's that's the goal. But if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them to us at info at And we'll talk to you next time on the Canaan STL Podcast.